now. He's coming over to Zambia. So, yeah. Um, morning, everyone. Oh, hey, guys. Hey, Mike. Hey, Covey. It's good to see you guys. Um, man, it is so great to, to be back with you guys. Um, a lot's happened since July, but, man, we just love this church. I mean, I think there, there's just been a fire, I think, that started in this church that really is starting to work its way around West Michigan and, and around our area. Um, even just this prayer time that we just had, I've, I've heard so many testimonies from, um, from around saying, like, you know, people, because we're praying in church and we're practicing, like, praying over each other in church, it's given us, I think, more confidence to be more evangelistic and, and praying for people outside of church and that we don't know, which is so amazing. Um, this really is such an amazing family that... Tate and I are so um, humbled and honored um, to be a part of it, and yeah, we love you guys so much. So, um, yeah, lots happened this past year. Um, or do you want to maybe just sh- share a little bit about chaplaincy real quick? And then... Yeah, yeah. For, so for those of you who don't know, we live in Zambia, and we work with the tribal traditional leaders, so the chiefs of Zambia. So over in Africa, we have our traditional, you know, our normal government system, what you think of with our president, we have a parliament, but then we have another side to the government system is we have our tribal chiefs, and the chiefs are in charge of the people, and the chiefs, they're the father of the people, so wherever the chief goes, the people follow, whatever the chief does, the people also do, and the chiefs are in charge of the people, in charge of the land, and so um, after being in Zambia for a few years, being in the villages, and seeing the influence that the chief has on the people, and it's also important to note the chiefs are often seen as the, uh, the epicenter of witchcraft, which is like the traditional medicine, traditional religion there. And so everyone associates that with the chiefs. The chiefs are never seen as Christians. And um, so seeing the influence that the chiefs have on the people and um, the fact that nobody, no Christians, no missionaries are going to the chiefs. They're all too scared to go anywhere near them. Um, we're like, what if we found a way to reach the chiefs because if we can reach the chiefs and the chiefs are following the lord their people will also follow and so we started working with a few chiefs who are actually christian and came up with the vision and the idea to train chaplains for the chiefs and the chaplain is there to pray for the chief to read the bible with them to help them lead their people in a godly manner and ultimately have everyone come to know jesus and so we started going around to the different palaces in Zambia. There's over two, there's 288 chiefs in Zambia. And so we went around, started visiting the chiefs, sharing the vision with them, and they were super excited about it. Like, I can't imagine trying to lead 100,000 people and having no one there to guide you and give you direction. And so they were so excited to have someone who's going to able to offer them advice from a Christian perspective. And so the chiefs, they choose a chaplain Someone they already know and trust and respect who's already a Christian. A lot of times it's their pastor or a deacon or an elder in their own church. And they send them to us and we take them through a training where we train them on how to respect and honor the chief, how to walk in humility, how to you know, walk in their identity in Christ and different things like that. How to hear from the Lord. And then they go back to their chief and they um, on a daily basis are with the chief, praying for him, reading the Bible with them opening their ceremonies in prayer, and we've seen amazing things happen because of it. Chiefs that were indwelling in witchcraft are now following the Lord and have banned witchcraft in their chiefdom. They've been publicly baptized in front of their entire people. They've given up alcoholism. Like, 
for a chief to, to be baptized in front of his people is, is unheard of. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's amazing. They, their marriages have been restored. Their relationship with their family has been restored. Uh, traditional ceremonies that they do every year, um, whether, it's not f- whether it's for the chief himself or for to have the rains come or for farming, that used to involve witchcraft or the worship of ancestors. They've now shifted them to involve worshiping Jesus. And ultimately, the people in their chieftain have been following the Lord as well and giving their lives to Christ. And so it's been so cool to see how God has been moving in Zambia. And now at this point, almost every single chief in Zambia has a chaplain. We have 256 chaplains in Zambia. And as of this year, we've now been able to expand into Zimbabwe and DR Congo. Both have about 15 chaplains in each nation. We're going to continue expanding there over the next few years. And so um, it's, God is moving in Africa and... We're super excited to see that the chiefs, they're following the Lord, and so are their people. Yeah, to really understand chief chaplaincy, you have to understand the traditional structure um, in Zambia. And people, they, they follow their chief, right? Their chief is like their father of, of the people. Imagine like a father of a household here in Zealand, like gave his life to the Lord. That would most likely mean like the wife and the children would follow, you, you know, most of the time, right? Um, so it's similar to in Zambia. If the chief, if the father of the of, of that tribe or clan gives their life to Jesus, then he the people will follow, um, which is amazing. And having these chaplains, I mean, imagine having um, every single mayor, governor, president, district commissioner, state representative, whatever leader that we have in our in our country, having a man of God by his side, praying for him, discipling him. Um, making sure that he's leading his people the way that the Lord wants him to lead his people. I mean, that would be huge for the U.S., right? That's exactly what's happening in Zambia. Um, it's, it's just incredible. I, I do have an update from this last year um, to do like our little, you know, classic missionary. This is what we did this past year. So um, I have a couple bullet points. Um, in the past 12 months, we have visited over 100 palaces, which is thousands and thousands of kilometers traveled. Um, we have trained over 100 new chaplains for almost half of the chiefs in Zambia. Um, that, the 100 chiefs represent about 6 million people within Zambia that now have chaplains trained for them in the past year. Um, the size of chaplaincy has doubled in Zambia in the past year. In one year, it, we did in what it took us to do in the four years prior. So in the amount of growth that we've had in the past four years, we've, we've been able to do in the past year, which is incredible. We have purchased um, 109 bicycles, thanks to you guys. We can, we can give a round of applause for that. We actually, hey, um, Aaron, we have a video of, we actually just gave away 15 more bicycles a couple weeks ago. And so our Zambian chaplaincy team that's, that's over there, they did the, uh, here's the little bicycle reveal. We didn't, we let, we, to, we told them that they were getting like some, some food. And so they were super excited about that. They had no clue that they're going to bicycle. So that's when he says mealy meal and all that. They're, they're thinking they're getting food. Yeah, we're going to give, appreciate our chaplains. We're giving them a bag of mealy meal, rice, and ground nuts and a bag of chickens so that they can take back home. We are so grateful to them. We really appreciate them. They're great men of God, uh, honoring and advising the chiefs in Central Province. So, beloved of the Lord, please follow me as we 
present to you. Each one of you, please grab a bag of mini meal there. Oh, wow. wonderful! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very fun. Amazing, hey? Um, so now almost half of the chaplains in Zambia have, have a bicycle. And these bicycles, uh, we've shared a lot about them, but they're not just a gift to the chaplain, but like Zambia is a very communal culture. So like um, if, if I like Tyler's car, I can just go and like borrow Tyler's car. It's, there's not really a sense of ownership like we have here in, in the U.S. And so these bicycles are not just a blessing to, um, to, to just the chaplains and their ministry, but they're also a huge blessing to the village. They're used by the villages as well, so... Um, it's amazing. Okay, back to this past year. Um, we've completed over 12 chaplaincy trainings, not just initial trainings, but then also follow-up trainings with our chaplains, um, which has been huge. We have brought in nine provincial chaplains to help manage the 256 chaplains that we now have trained in Zambia. So it's not just Tate and I and our team, but we have um, nine Zambians that we've brought on full-time that are now in, in chaplaincy with us. We've bought them all. We've bought nine motorbikes or um, motorcycles for, for them as well, and have brought them on salary, which has been huge. They then have established something called zone chaplains. So you have like provinces, like Zambia has 10 provinces, like the US has 50 states. And each one of these provinces has about 30 or 40 chaplains and chiefdoms within the provinces. So they've created a, a zones within there, and there's a zone chaplain that's over the chaplains in that zone, and there's a province, provincial chaplain that's over the provincial. So it's, it's just helped, um, bring it to our, our goal of having chief chaplaincy being 100% sustained by, by Zambians, which is huge. And I think by this point, it really, besides the finances, um, as far as the day-to-day, -day, chaplaincy is 100% sustainable by, by our Zambian team. Which and is then incredible. we have six Zambians that are full-time, that run around with us, who um, manage all of the chaplains in Zambia. So they gather them once a month. They gather a group of chaplains from a province and meet with them, see how things are going, encourage them, and then also are now in charge of training new chaplains. So we are pretty much out of Zambia now and are working on expanding chaplaincy into other nations. And those six Zambians, are, they're on support. They raise their own money. They're full-time with us, and they're in charge of keeping uh, chaplaincy going in Zambia, which is awesome. Amazing. Um, we've also brought on three new full-time people to help uh, start the Queen's ministry. So ministry not just to the chiefs, but also to the queens. So that's going to be expanding this next, this, a lot this next, next year. Um, we've started in two new nations for chaplaincy. You know, we've expanded almost entirely in Zambia. We've now gone into Congo, where we have um, 15 chaplains in Congo trained and, and working on the ground, as well as 15 in Zimbabwe as well, which is huge, and we're going to be training about 100 chaplains in Zimbabwe this next year, which is huge. I think I shared like a couple weeks ago on Zimbabwe is a communist government. Um, they, haven't, they haven't ever had anything like this, and we've, we've been brought in with the, the president of Zambia and Zimbabwe um, and working in, in closely with the government to make sure that um, we go through all the right channels, and they've completely opened the door for us to bring this vision into that nation as well, which is huge. 
And then, so there's many other things as well, um, but the largest, but one of the biggest ones is we hosted the largest gathering of traditional leaders ever in the history of, of Zambia and most luckily ever in the history of, of Africa. And not only that, but it was a gospel event. It was huge, huge. Um, we had, I think we have the video for that as well. I, I could explain it, but we, we have a, a quick video that shows, picture says a thousand words, a video says a lot more. Overland Missions has always been about going to those that haven't heard the gospel. This event was birthed initially out of the fact that because we're focused on remote locations, we have found ourselves in palaces time and time again. We gathered the kings of Africa together in Lusaka, Zambia this year because we had a vision that there would be a viral move of God that would go through the cities into the villages, into the palaces, into the, the areas, the parts of Africa that are not feeling the love and presence of God in those countries. And here we are now at the end of the event where over 35 countries are represented, over 60 delegates of kings and queens, over 200 uh, Zambian chiefs for what is being coined as the greatest gospel event Africa's ever seen for traditional leaders. And it, it was incredible just to see how excited the kings were to come to an event like this. To, to be honest with you, when I get the invitation first, uh, I had two engagements. So I had to cancel them because I saw the potential. The vision for the event was always that we would create an event for traditional leaders where we'd bring them together and give them seconds, moments to get in the presence of God because we know that if you can just have the presence of God fall for five seconds, ten seconds, that it changes everything. We had um, a great three nights of celebration of getting together, being blessed in spirit and in word and in song, in praise. Um, just uh, just let your hair down and just praise God, you know what I'm saying? Most of the time where they are royalty, kings, whatever, and all this kind of stuff, you don't get to just to be yourself and just bless God and just be a kid before God. We have so many incredible testimonies from, from this time. Um, one of my favorites were, and I'm going to leave people unnamed, but one of our kings that came um, after receiving his Bible was able to communicate that it's the first time he's ever held a Bible, let alone been given one. So as the kings were coming in, the Ethiopian king came up to me and he shook my hand and he said, he said, Philip, I have to talk to you. Now, he had texted me before he had got there with this amazing text. And he had said that there were 14 tribes in Ethiopia that had never, ever heard the name of Jesus and didn't have a translation. And he said, my expectation in coming to this event is that we would create an agreement between us that these tribes would hear the gospel for the first time. So I couldn't wait to meet the Ethiopian king. When he came to me, he said... 
He said, I am the Ethiopian and you are Philip. And he turned to Acts chapter 8 and he said, there was an Ethiopian who met a man by the name of Philip on the, on the road. He says, the only difference between that and this is I'm already born again. And you're Philip the evangelist. And our question is, what are we going to do in our generation? Going forward, uh, I cannot see myself without our mission. So our relationship will continue, uh, hopefully, until we depart from, from this earth. A, bi a big reason for this gathering, um, outside of just allowing these kings to touch the presence of God, was this chaplaincy program that we have. And we call it a move of God. It's not just a program, but the idea that, you know, the Old Testament says kings of old used to have a priest, they had a prophet at their right hand, and restoring that understanding that kings of our generation would lean on men of God, women of God, that speak the word of God, that challenge them, that give wisdom, that hold up their arms, you know, in their, in their governance. And it's incredible to see the response of the kings here saying, please bring that program into my nation. Always with an event like this, the question is, what's next? We had 60 kings and delegates come and worship the Lord, and they want this chief chaplaincy initiative in their in their um, tribe or in their country. And so that is really the way moving forward. Imagine a, a king is the leader of his people, and if the king is saying, yes, I'm your king, but there's a power and authority that's greater than mine that I bow my knee to, and you should as well, the people are going to follow and so as we gathered them together, we trusted that God would touch the kings and the, the local authorities. And then through them, they would open the doors for the gospel to touch Africa. As a result of this conference, I'd actually been talking to um, Philip and I was telling him um, that we need to start building a relationship. And he told me about the program where they get people to come in for training and I asked, that I get some of my people as well so that we spread the word of God wildly and um, that dream looks very urgent as in tomorrow <laughs> as soon as the program starts uh, it would be lovely just imagine if every governor, every king, every chief, and every president had a chaplain by their side, praying for them daily, reading the Bible with them, and helping them grow into a more intimate relationship with Christ. The potential that this has is just incredible. Yeah, so God moved incredibly this week, and our team is so excited to see the doors that are now open in these nations that we've not been able to get into, and that some of them are nations I can't even name. And we are thrilled and excited to see the nations that are shaken and our team with boots on the ground uh, all over Africa. Hallelujah. Amen. Huge, huge. I mean, not just huge, but the largest. Um, there's never been an event like this before. Um, and we have, we had 56 kings from 35 different African nations, from Niger, Somalia, Uganda, Ethiopia, Egypt, Congo, South Africa, the Zulus, um, if you know, remember the Zulus, and, um, and all of them want this chief chaplaincy initiative in their nation as well, um, which has made our job a little bit more complicated. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, but it is incredible, guys. I mean, the Lord is truly moving in, in unspeakable, uncomprehendable ways in, in Africa. And we just can't wait to um, see the, the continual fruit of, of what's happening through this event. So the next little while is, is going to be launching chaplaincy into new, um, into new nations. This next year, we're launching chief chaplaincy into Botswana, into uh, Tanzania, Malawi, and, and possibly even South Africa um, at the end of the year. We were given the opportunity at the end of King of Kings, right after King of Kings, to head to the Zulu King's coronation. I think there's a couple of photos of the Zulu King. He's the one with all the feathers and the leopard skins. Um, the, king of, the, the Zulu King just, just died, and so his son just took office. It's kind of like how the Queen of England just passed away, and um, King Charles just took. So... This is like a once-in-a-lifetime, like a, it's a, every 50 years his coronation is, is invited. And so it, it was like the 100,000 Zulu people with um, all of their traditional gear, all looking like this. Um, and the president of South Africa, Jacob Zuma, um, the current president of South Africa, um, Ramakosa, and every single, a lot of the kings from King of Kings were there at the coronation, and then Tate and I. Two white kids from Zealand. <laughs> Amazing, though. Um, just being even invited to the event was, was, was huge. I don't think I have any photos of the event. There's a, we posted a video on YouTube about it. But, um, but because of the relationship that we built with some of the other princes and the chiefs from the Zulu tribe, uh, at, they came to the King of Kings, and they were super excited, like, please, you have to come to the king's coronation. You have to meet him. Come be a special guest. And so we went, sat with a lot of the kings that were at King of Kings, and then they're like, hey, no way. I think there is a photo of, yeah, that one. So there's some of the kings that came to King Morocco of Kings. Morocco and like, oh, Overland Missions. <laughs> and they were so excited. And so we were able to sit with more of the kings from various these nations that came to King of Kings and were given VIP status. And, yeah, it was crazy that this relationship Already a, a week after King of Kings brought us to this uh, coronation for the Zulu king. And then um, they wanted us to meet the king, which we, we had gone to Zimbabwe a couple of weeks before that, or a month or so before that, to meet with the president of Zimbabwe. And the meeting at the last second, we were in the state house, he, the president was in the other room, and all of a sudden an emergency happened where, um, you know, we drove three days to get there from Congo all the way to Zimbabwe to meet with the president. And all of a sudden, an emergency happened, and he was rushed out. And then this is right before King of Kings. So we had, they're like, we're so sorry. Can you meet with him in, in two days? And we're like, sorry, we have to get back to Zambia for this big King of Kings conference. Um, so we were, like, already kind of like, ah, I don't know if we'll, we'll, we'll get the meeting. But, um, you know, just even coming and being a part of this and meeting the people that we did was huge. Um, but then the next morning, the queen, the Zulu queen, so her, the king's wife, um, is like, oh, I want you I want, you know, to meet the king. I want you to share about this chaplaincy deal that you're doing in Zambia, in Zimbabwe, and in Congo. And so, uh, and share about the King of Kings event. And so we're, like, rushed to this, like, undisclosed location. His brother was just assassinated, like, three weeks ago. And so the, the security is huge. The protocols are huge. The, all of the, the, the deals before coming in. Um, and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, the king's coming down. And we're in the throne room for his, his deal. And he walks in. Of course, you like, 
you're, you're on your knees, you're clapping, you're bowing, you're doing these certain things, you're saying something like, bayete, bayete, all these things that you have to do. And the king, he's the one in the blue shirt, he walks in, and this is literally the morning after his coronation, the biggest day of his life. Um, and he walks in, he sits down, and he's like, what's up, guys? Is there, is there a photo, Aaron? Or did I not send that one? No, it's him in a blue shirt. It's, it's just a picture of us with It's him. just a picture of us with the, the king. Oh, I must not have sent it. Oh, well. Anyways, he's in jeans and a blue, like, blue shirt. He's just like, because <laughs> I know him like, with all the feathers and leopard skins. And he, like, he lived in the U.S. for 10 years. So he's like, he's like an American. He went to Harvard. He's just like, he's 35. He's the most chill, easygoing approachable, relatable guy, and he came in and he was like, hey guys, like I want to meet you guys. I'm sorry, I only have 10 minutes. The king of Eswatini, Swaziland is waiting on me. So but I, wanted, I wanted to just come by and, and meet you guys. And I'm like, oh no, absolutely. He's like, so where are you from? And then for like the next like hour, the we're next just like, hour. cracking jokes together. <laughs> sharing about our faith, sharing testimony, sharing, you know, we're hearing about his life. About Turns- Turns out he's a strong Christian, loves the Lord, was discipled by the pastor who is on the board of Overland Missions. So we're able to connect over that out of all, you know, pastors we could have uh, been connected to and has such a strong desire and strong vision to have his people know the Lord and establish godly principles in, in the Zulu tribe. And so it was just an incredible meeting. Yeah, actually, a funny thing. And during the meeting, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm not really sure how I feel about being king. There's so much, you know, I kind of just want to, like, go on a nice date with my girlfriend and go to a restaurant. But, you know, I can't do that anymore because I'm keen. Now the restaurant comes to me. Ha, 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 ha. And we were like, like oh. ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Funny>. <laughs> um, um, but, no, he's like, you know, I want to come to America. Set it up for me. I can't come in 2022, obviously, but 2023. Set it up for me and I'll come. So we're, we're setting up a meeting for the Zulu king, who is the largest traditional leader in Africa. He's over the Zulu tribe. That's 16 million people that he's over. Yeah. And he's the largest. He's the most, he's, he's the most wealthy. He owns, like, the ports and the airports. And you know, like, Wakanda, like, the Black Panther? That's all kind of based off of the Zulus because they're, like, these super tribal people that, like, are, you know, that drive Rolls Royces everywhere. And, have like cheetah print Rolls Royces and stuff because, you know, um, <laughs> it's hilarious. So yeah, guys, and, and the chief, so this is, the king has 300 Osas underneath chiefs, like um, South African chiefs underneath his, um, underneath him, he's like, I want chaplains for all of them. So uh, South Africa's 300 more, you know, um, chiefs that, that we have open door for bringing chaplaincy into. We have 275 chiefs that we have open to bring chaplaincy into in Zimbabwe as well as, as 35 other nations as well. Because that was just one king. We had 56 of them at the King of Kings event. Ethiopia, Niger, so many other nations, Muslim nations. They're like, I would want a, a Christian advisor in my, in my palace. Muslim kings. Um, how much time do we have? Oh, we're getting done. I just want to share stories, but we have a lot of things to talk about. We might go late. I hope you ate before you came. Sorry. Um, can it, should I tell the story of the of the, the king, Muslim king, real yeah. quick? 
Okay, one, one quick, okay, last one, I promise. <laughs> Um, the, uh, during the King of Kings event, we had um, a king that I can't, I can't share his name and I can't tell you the nation that he's from because he'd get in trouble. But he's um, completely Muslim and after the King of Kings event, he was talking to us because we brought all of the kings to our, our base in Livingston for four days after the event. Just we were able to build a deeper relationship with them. And he goes, you know, I'm from this nation, which is 99% Muslim, but I'm king. So I'm 100% Muslim. However, after being with you people, after hearing your gospel, after seeing how you love the Lord, now, personally, in my heart, it's so-so. <laughs> come to my palace. Come be with my people. Come stay with me and my family in this nation. You're welcome. Muslim, completely Muslim, you know. Um, and that was, that was the same thing with, with Egypt. That was the same thing with Tunisia, with, um, with, with Niger, with Somalia, and all these nations that we would never have thought of going into even six months ago. Um, we now have the open doors to bring a gospel, um, a, a chaplaincy move of God into that nation. So it's huge. Yeah, we have so many stories we could share like that. But um, kind of to get in what we want to share with you today, um, we really have a heart for um, West Michigan as well, for the United States. And I know um, a lot of you, you know, every Sunday we pray together. And um, I've heard testimonies of people now being able to go out in public and pray for people on the streets or at the grocery store or at work or whatnot. And we were talking with Dave, and we're like, what if we now take it a step further, and we activate each other to go and start sharing our faith with people, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our family members that don't know Jesus. And so that's the heart of what we want to share today, and share some practical tips and some testimonies of, that we've had um, to you to encourage you and to share your faith. And then at the end, we want to spend some time practicing with each other of what it would be like to share our faith um, with those around us. And so um, one of the big messages that this is not my message, this is a message that I've heard actually from Jake who was speaking on there. He did this message two years ago. And it's really stuck with me uh, with sharing my faith. And it's literally, it's just the idea of showing up. Taking that first step and of action when sharing our faith and, and, and starting a conversation with someone about a relationship with Jesus. Um, Austin mentioned the time that we went to Zimbabwe. We tried to meet with the president. And there's so many stories of we've traveled for hours and hours to meet with this chief, to share about chaplaincy, to share the gospel with him. And after hours of driving, we show up and he's not there. Or he's in the next town two more hours down the road, so we've got to drive there. And there's so many stories of times that we just, we, we just took that first step of showing up. We didn't know how the chief was going to react. We heard stories, oh, you don't, know, you don't want to meet with that chief. He's, he's a bad chief. He's not going to like what you have to share with him. Uh, but we, in faith, we would go and we would show up. It just took that first step of showing up, and um, God moved. Chiefs said, yes, I want chaplains. I, wanna, I want Jesus in my life. I want a relationship with him. And um, God has moved in incredible ways. When we launched into Zimbabwe exactly a year ago now, um, Austin shared a little bit. We were pretty ignorant. We didn't really know much about the country, about its history. 
Turns out it's very communist, it's a communist country. It used to be the, the, um, the, the breadbasket of Africa. It was the most thriving country. Then the previous president, who's kind of like a dictator, brought it to ruin, kicked out all the white people, killed anyone who didn't leave, and inflation was terrible. U.S. sanctioned it. It basically came into ruin. And then the, that president died, and the new president came in, um, Emerson Monongwa, and he has a lot of vision to change that and wants the expats to come back, wants to do foreign trade and business with other nations. And we knew none of this walking in. We started just showing up to chief's palaces, telling them about chaplaincy, and they're like, yes, I want it. And within one week of being there, we found ourselves in the capital with the governor of Harare. And we're like, what is happening? And they're like, you have to meet the president. You have to meet the president. We're like, we've been here a week. How are we already going to go meet the president? And um, a few months later, you know, we went to go meet with him, and he got rushed off to an emergency meeting. Uh, but our coworker, he went back a, few, a month later and was able to have a meeting with him. He had a dream from the Lord of uh, sharing with the president that essentially he could either rule on his own and in his selfish ways, but if he did, his, the country would come to ruin, or he could choose to lead the way that the Lord wanted to lead, and it would be brought back and be restored to being the breadbasket of Africa. And so he met with the president, shared this word with him, and the president was moved. He was like, yes, I need to lead my people the way that God wants me to lead. Come, you have open doors to our nation. You have open doors to the chiefs. You have permission to bring Chief Chaplinzi here. We want you in our nation. Please come. Everybody else is left. We want you to come and be with us and work with us. And amazing doors have opened. Um, the week before Thanksgiving, Austin got a letter from the president's desk that said, you have permission to do Chief Chaplaincy in this nation. And um, it's just incredible to see what's happened just because... We showed up. We took that first step, and we're like, we might be taking a risk here. We don't know how the chiefs are going to respond, but we're just going to start showing up into this nation and see what God is going to do. And um, I think a lot of times when we are sharing our faith, or we have someone we know, a coworker, like, oh, they don't know Jesus, so I should do this and this, and then it's going to take this. We try to come up with this plan of how to make it go perfect with sharing our faith, but really it just starts with taking that first step of inviting them over for coffee, you know, getting them, buying them chocolates, or, you know, starting a conversation with them. And it just starts with taking that first step, and God can move in mighty ways. And there's so many testimonies in the Bible of this happen. I think of, of Moses. Um, you know, God told him to build the ark, not Moses. Noah. <laughs> Noah. <laughs> uh, God told Noah to build the ark. And what did Noah do? He just started showing up. He started building it. And all of a sudden, he's putting his family and all these animals in this ark, not in water, just in the middle of, of dry land. Just, you know, he just showed up. And what happened? God, he brought the rain, and he saved his family and saved all the animals. I think of, of the story in Daniel 2. Um, Daniel, he... Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. None of his um, magicians could interpret it. So he's like, kill them all. Kill all these people. Uh, he was angry. And Daniel heard about this. And he's like, let me go and speak to him. I can interpret his dream. And what's interesting reading this this time that I did is that he didn't even know the meaning of the dream yet. But he still first asked, I want to interpret the dream for him. In faith, knowing that he could. And as a result, 
he interprets the dream for the king, and him and his friends are spared from being killed. And it's just Daniel took that step of, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to do this. Um, king David, when he was a kid, and he, show, he just shows up to battle. He was going to bring his brother lunch to battle, and what ends up happening? He ends up killing Goliath. But it just started with him showing up with his slingshot and saying, I can do this. And God moved. I think of Zacchaeus in, in the New Testament. He saw Jesus coming and he went up into the tree and he just showed up in Jesus' presence. And I want to encounter Jesus. And what happened? Jesus came to his house for lunch. Um, the woman at the well, she was at the well. And what happened? Jesus just showed up and she had an amazing encounter in her life. Uh, there's so many more stories throughout the Bible of uh, the disciples, the apostles, Jesus, um, the prophets just showing up and God moving in incredible ways. And um, so it just, it takes that first step, just showing up, being faithful. Um, there's going to be times where you show up to your neighbor's house and they're not there, or times where a conversation is awkward and doesn't go well, or, you know, you're talking to the cashier and trying to talk about your faith and they reject you. There are going to be times where you, you show up and it doesn't work out the way you wanted it to. But if you keep showing up without with faith and standing strong, God is going to move in mighty ways through your life. And the second thing I want to, want to share about sharing our faith is, um, if not more important, is what is your heart posture when sharing your faith? Where is your heart at? Are you doing it because, oh, the Bible says I'm supposed to do that, so I better do it? Are you doing it because, oh, Austin and Tate preached on Sunday about sharing our faith, so yeah, I probably should do that. Um, oh, I just don't want this person to go to hell, so I'm just going to tell them about Jesus and hope they accept it. Where, where is your heart at? And this immediately brought me to Matthew 9. I'm just going to pull it up here. Matthew 9, verse 35 through 38. And it says in verse 35, Then Jesus went throughout all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were bewildered and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of, of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest-ready fields. And I just love this passage because right after, you know, it's explaining how Jesus went out, preaching the good news, people were getting healed, people were getting saved. It... it had the note that Jesus, he had compassion on them. And I think when, when we're going out to share our faith, we have to understand the position of where people are coming from. We have to love them. We have to understand that they might be coming from a place of brokenness, um, a place of loneliness. Being, uh, they might be lost or struggling with things in their life. And when we have the compassion for them and the love that Jesus has for them, it, we can't help but share our faith. Um, we were in South Africa for the Zulu coronation, and we were taking an Uber back to our hotel. It was late at night. We were tired, and um, we were quiet. You know, this guy was driving us, and I really felt the Lord say, like, talk to him about Jesus. And I'm like, oh, Lord, it's late. I have a headache. I'm tired. This guy's probably, you know, maybe he's already saved. It's fine. And then immediately, like, the Lord filled my heart. He, like, gave me a word of knowledge and was like, this guy is lonely. He's tired. He's working hard. He's you know, he, he needs help. And I just immediately felt this love and compassion for him. And I was like, I can't help but not, you know, like I have to share with him. 
And so I started talking with him. I found out that him and his wife were separated. He was working every, day in and day out to support his children. And all he did was work all day and was super lonely, um, was lost, didn't, had no purpose in life except he was driving Uber. And um, started sharing with him about Jesus. And he was too busy to go to church, so I was able to encourage him a little bit. And I could tell by the end of, end of our time together that he, like a weight had lifted off of him. And he was so touched by the time we had together. And so, um, but it was, I had to get to that place of having compassion for him, feeling what he was feeling, understanding the situation that he was coming from, and having the love for him that Jesus has for, for him. And from that place, I was able to get over myself and, and share Jesus with him. And another side note that kind of relates that I had this revelation a few weeks ago is, you know, when you go to the, the cashier, you go to a coffee shop, and you're, you know, hi, how are you? Can I have a latte? And then you're waiting, and what do you, what do you talk about? What's the first thing that we go to talk about with people? The weather. Why, the weather. Why do we talk about the weather? It's a ridiculous thing. And I was thinking about this, like, this is, like, obviously it's snowing outside. We can see that. Why are we talking about it? But it's because we want to find something to talk to, talk about that we both relate to. We can relate about the weather. We both understand the weather. It's a way for us to connect with the person that we're talking to. And that's the desire that we all have in our heart, is to connect with the people that we're with, to feel love, to feel related to, to feel seen, and to feel heard. And so when we're going to share our faith, how can you help the person that's in front of you feel loved and feel connected, and, and ultimately tell them about Jesus? Because that's what we all want and what we all desire. And so how can we have, I mean, I think of when I first gave my life to Christ and how he completely changed my life around and the transformation that happened, the love that he has for me and what he's done for me is just incredible. Don't you want other people to have that same relationship with him? And I'll I'll turn it over to Austin, but it's just important to, you know, Ask yourself, where is my heart at this? What is the person from me feeling? And how can I, you know, bring them to the truth of Jesus? Yeah. Um, I think us as a church, we're really good at, um, at praying and, and, and um, learning about the Word of God. Like, we come every Sunday. We, we listen. We're built up. And Dave and I were having lunch the other day. And I was like, hey, what do you think, like, the church means in 2022? Like, what actually does a biblical church look like in, in 2022? And I was like, what if, like, the church was, like, basketball practice? Right, like, right, you, like, come into basketball, you're, you're, you're training, you're, you're getting, you're growing in your, um, in your knowledge of the word. Of, you're not, you know, in basketball practice, we grow in the game, we grow in our, um, in the knowledge of the word, in the knowledge of um, how, to, how to pray for people. But, like, what if we started, like, coming in and we looked at church as basketball practice and then... Monday through Saturday was our game. And, like, we go out and, and we, we, we evangelize, we pray for people, we are outward focused in our faith. So, sorry, guys, we went late, but um, I was going to take some time to maybe, like, we, we could practice. Every, every week we pray for each other, but I thought it would be cool to spend some time, um, like, practicing sharing our faith with each other. Each other. Um, and this can be at your, at your lunch table, this at lunch, or, or sometime this afternoon. But, like, what if we gathered as a family, and we're like, hey, you know, what if I pretend that Tate is my cashier at Walmart? 
And how am I going to share the faith with my, my faith with her? Is it through praying for her? Is it through, you know, what questions can I ask? And I think maybe, like, today we can go out and we can, we can start practicing um, being evangelical in our, in our faith. Does that sound good? Maybe can we take that challenge for this week? Um, and, and then it'd be cool next week to hear some awesome testimonies of, of us being evangelical in, in our faith. So, yeah. Is there anything else, babe? I was just going to say, I would just encourage you to like, you know, especially, I don't want to be cliche, but in this Christmas season, think of someone, maybe it's a family member or a coworker um, that doesn't know Jesus. Like, you know, ask the Lord who you should, you know, reach out to, to um, tell them about Jesus. And that could start with, you know, bringing them some Christmas cookies or, you know, like getting them a Christmas present and having that, you know, open up your relationship to having that conversation about Jesus and so I just encourage you to, you know, in this week, start praying about who the Lord wants you to share your, your faith with. And um, I believe that he'll, like, start giving you words of knowledge. He'll help you to pray for people when people get healed. Or, you know, like, I feel like God is definitely going to move through this congregation um, if we just have our hearts being willing and open to, to be used by him. Amen. Tyler, are we worshiping again? Or are we? Okay. Can we just pray? Um, we're good. All right, guys, let's pray real quick. Um, Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing through this church, what you're doing through this body of Christ, Lord. Lord, give us the courage, give us the, the divine knowledge and, and ability to, to um, express your, your love and, express, and to move your kingdom outside of these four walls, Lord. That as we go throughout this week, that we are hearing from your Holy Spirit and Spirit that you're leading us in... Um, in, in advancing the kingdom of heaven. You know, it says that, that we are ambassadors of Christ. Um, that means that we're representatives of your kingdom, Father. So this week, as we represent this kingdom season, uh, as, as this Christmas season, that um, we, we do represent your kingdom here on earth. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's not the most Christmas message, I know. But um, I really do think, like, the most Christmassy thing to do is to tell people about Jesus. So... Let that be our, our challenge for this week. And we love you guys. We are around until um, end of February. So please, like we would love to have, if we don't know you, we'd love to have coffee or, or lunch or dinner with you guys and um, get to know all of you more and, and hang out and share more fun stories. But love you guys and let's have a great week. Thank you.